Amen. Thank you, Pastor Tito. Hey, good morning, everyone. Great to see you. Welcome to New Life Patterson. It's so great to see you. Hey, weren't baptisms last week just amazing? Oh, they were so good. I was getting text messages all week uh, from people who just had a great experience. And uh, so if you were part of our baptism service last week, thank you for being here. And if you, uh, last week was your first time here and you're back, thank you uh, for coming back. Thank you for for checking out uh, New Life Patterson. We gave away a ton of mugs last week. And so our new order doesn't come in until Tuesday. So we only have four mugs left. So if you are here for the very first time, we do have a gift for you, but you better run people over to go get one. All right. So we only have four left. If you are here for the first time and you don't get the gift that we have, then make sure you're back next week. You see how we did that? We get you to come back next week. And our new shipment will be in on Tuesday, but uh, we, this is just a little gift that we have for you. It's a, a coffee mug that's got our logo on it. And it's just a little way that we say thank you for checking us out here at New Life Patterson. So uh, thank you, uh, those of you who are here for the first time. And also, if you're here for the very first time and you do not have a home church, then we want to say to you, welcome home. Hey, can, we, can you do me a favor today? Uh, we have our camera mounted, and so can we just give a big hand clap for our online viewers right now? Yeah. So we know we have, we have people that, that listen to our services, and they've been listening for a couple of years, uh, and now they're able to watch us. So those of you who are watching us online, uh, we know no matter what third world country you're watching from, Kentucky, uh, Arkansas, Alabama, it doesn't matter. Uh, we just want to say thanks for, for checking us out here at New Life Patterson, okay? Uh, also, just a few things that I want to cover uh, this morning. Uh, our Man Up event uh, begins this coming Saturday. If you're a guy uh, here and you've been thinking about joining our men's life group, uh, it's going to be really exciting. It starts this Saturday. Check out this video. Seven Challenges That Men Encounter begins this coming Saturday right here at 8.30 a.m. So if you want to be a part of that, men, make sure you go to our website, newlifecc.com. Scroll down, you'll see the link. If you could register, that, that'd really be great. Okay, we really appreciate that. And also, uh, next, su- next Sunday is Jersey Weekend, okay? So uh, it's the kickoff. It's the kickoff weekend for the NFL, but you don't have to wear an NFL jersey. If you want to wear any jersey, if you want to wear a Patterson High School jersey or Stemba, whatever school that you attend, uh, whatever your favorite team is, your favorite jersey, next week is jersey weekend. Uh, so I'll be up here with mine. All right, my Aaron Rodgers Green Bay Packers. That's right. Don't you, I don't want to, no, no haters, no haters. All right. So uh, anyway, uh, guys, wear your favorite jersey for next weekend. We're going to have some fun with that, okay? And then lastly, who here uh, can make a balloon arch? You've done that before. If you can make a balloon arch, raise your hand. Oh, come on. I know we got some talented people here. All right, there we go. You just volunteered. Thank you. All right. Yeah. I, yeah, Anna said, don't see if they can. Ask who does it, and I'll see their hand go up. All right, she got, we got you. All right, there you go, Miss Anna. I did my job. All right. Okay, new series kicking off today. If you have your communion, uh, your communion elements, we're going to do that at the end of the message. Okay, we're not going to do that quite yet, but just have those ready. If you did not uh, receive a communion element, can you just slip your hand up real quick? Our ushers are ready to bring those to you. Uh, just lift your hand up really high before we get into it. We've got some back there in the back. And also, when you leave today, make sure you grab a big handful 
of these invite cards, okay? The Bible doesn't say that. That's the series that we are in kicking off today. Let me ask you. So we're going to take a little quiz. I'm going to name some phrases and you tell me whether or not they are from the Bible or it's just a common saying, okay? The Bible or a common saying, okay? The first one, escaped by the skin of their teeth. Nope, that's the Bible, okay? Job chapter 19, verse 20, all right? You're zero for one. We're starting off good. Here we go. All right, number two, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Common saying, good. Number three, the blind leading the blind. Bible, Luke chapter six. Okay, what about this one? A house divided itself cannot stand. The Bible, people say, oh, didn't Abe Lincoln say that? He did, he did, but he got it from Jesus himself. Okay, number five, God helps those who help themselves. Common saying. Hey, turn to your neighbor and say, the Bible doesn't say that. Nope, that's wrong. Bible doesn't say that. Okay, we're gonna do that a lot. Number six, money is the root of all evil. Nope, common saying. Here's the exact scripture. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Okay, that's found in 1 Timothy chapter 6. Okay, what about this one? Just a drop in a bucket. Everybody's like, my Bible. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 15, just a drop in a bucket. Okay, well, what about this one? A leopard can't change its spots. Bible. Bible, Jeremiah chapter 13. See, there's a lot of things in there you didn't know, right? What about number, uh, number nine? God won't give us more than we can handle. That is a common saying. That is a twisted view. And actually one of the titles, one of the messages that we're going to do during this series. What about this one? When God closes a door, he opens a window. Common saying. Look at your neighbor again. That Bible doesn't say that. If God closes a door, do not be kicking in windows. All right, that door is closed, all right? It's amazing how much we think comes from the Bible that doesn't and how much we don't know that actually does come from the Bible. All right, so today we're launching our brand new series, The Bible Doesn't Say That. And here's how we're gonna go about this. We're gonna talk about some different Bible beliefs or different belief systems that people have attributed to God and to the Bible. But in reality, the Bible doesn't say some of these things. So today we're going to dive into what may be one of the most popular misbeliefs about God's heart and what the Bible really says. And that is God just wants me happy above everything else. God just wants me to be happy because I would love to tell you as your pastor, that above everything else, that God just wants you happy, that he just wants all your wishes to come true, that he only wants good things to happen in your life, that he never wants anything bad to happen in your life. Because for some of us, the bottom line is for some of us that God just wants me to be happy. But here's the challenge and the false foundation of that. If we believe that God's ultimate desire and goal for us is our happiness, then our relationship with God begins to swerve away from the truth. In fact, there's, 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 a, there's a number of things that begin to happen in this process. First, if we believe that God wants me happy above everything else, then whatever makes me happy must be right, and whatever makes me unhappy must be wrong. 
because God wants me happy. So if this, if this thing that I'm doing, if this thing I'm pursuing doesn't make me happy, then obviously it's the wrong thing because God just wants me to be happy. Well, secondly, if we start to believe that, then we start to believe that discomfort and delay and risk and suffering and our inconveniences and challenges and struggles and obstacles can't possibly be part of God's will because they don't make me happy, right? And so since God wants me happy, this can't be part of God's will. And then third, without even realizing it, we begin to worship the false gods of comfort and money and pleasure and things. But here's the problem. When we believe that above everything else, God wants us to be, just wants us to be happy, we're forced to believe that God exists to serve us instead of us existing to serve God. And that's not the way it is. We were created to serve God. He does not exist to serve us. If God is there just to make me happy, suddenly we reduce the great creator, the great sustainer of the universe, the Holy One, down to this cosmic vending machine, right? Basically, if I put my money in the machine, I press the button, I've done my part. Contractually, I've put my money in, I've pressed the button, and now it has to give me what I ask for. If we do that, then our faith becomes transactional. I did my part, now God has to do his part. Now he owes me. We reduce God down to this formula. God, I said my prayers, I went to church, I did good things, I didn't do bad things, I put money in the offering, I joined a group, I joined a team. So now, since I've done all of those things, you owe me. My addiction should just go away. I should get that job, I should get that house, I should get that spouse. I put my change in, I press the button, Therefore, God, you should do what I want you to do. And here's the tragedy in this belief. When that's our mentality, that we treat God as the slot machine or this vending machine, so many people end up walking away from God for completely the wrong reasons and the wrong beliefs. And then they'll say things like, well, I tried church and it didn't make any difference in my life. It didn't make me happier. I tried religion and it didn't work. I tried this God thing. I read the Bible. I prayed and I'm still sick. I did everything I'm supposed to do and my kids are still messed up. I'm not happy in my marriage. I'm, I'm still not better off financially. Religion didn't work for me and there lies the problem. Instead of trying religion, maybe we should try relationships. If you believe that God exists just to make you happy and then you're not happy, it forces us to believe that God failed and God never fails. You see, when we start with the wrong perspective of God, it can lead us down a very dangerous path. In fact, I would say that more than 50%, probably even higher than that, 70 to 80% of the people that I grew up going to church with are not serving Jesus today. Why? Because they began with the wrong perspective of God. They based their understanding of God as a religion of feelings and emotions instead of a genuine, authentic relationship with him. So let me give you the other side of this equation. Because if you heard me say in the beginning, if what you heard from me in the beginning of this message was, God does not want me to be happy, then you miss my heart. God loves it when we are happy. He loves it when we're joyful. I believe it brings him joy just like it does us as a parents, as parents to see our children happy and joyful, but that's not just what he wants for us. 
I love to see my kids happy. I loved marrying my son and his bride last year and watching them happy and dancing and enjoying their special night. I loved last week watching my son, Seth, as he left for Fire, Fire Science Academy uh, up in Sonora last week. I love listening to my girls laugh and giggle as they make fun of everything I say and do now because I'm the old guy, right, that's disconnected. And so they make fun of everything that I do. Even if it's at my own expense, I don't care. I love to see them happy, but that's not all I want for them. I don't want them to just be happy. What kind of life would that be? You think, well, it sounds like a pretty good life. No. What about purpose? What about passion? What about fulfillment and value and honor and a mate and love? Yet in some ways, that's what we think about God, that God should be happy for me no matter what. And so that's why I'm challenging each one of us today that God doesn't want us to pursue happiness. God wants us to pursue him. Let me say that again. God does not want us to pursue happiness. He wants us to pursue him and let us not pursue him for the byproduct of, of happiness. Let us not pursue him so that he'll give us what we want. Heavenly father, we are pursuing you for who you are and for you alone. That is my prayer. So today, let, let you and I dispel one of the biggest and most dangerous cultural myths about God. I want to show you three specific reasons why God doesn't just want us happy. Number one, if you're taking notes, this is so important. God desires more than just my happiness when it causes me to sin or live unwisely. When it causes me to sin or live unwisely. God doesn't want you happy when it causes you to do something stupid, <laughs> or sinful, or unwise, yet so often we, we choose these things simply because we love the feeling of the emotion. We love, we love the, the moment of the happiness, regardless of what God's desire is for us. We let those feelings, we let those urges override God's best for us. How many times have we seen, or ha how many times have we read about, or maybe even experienced for ourselves partying or drinking or drugs or sex or any other host of, uh, of other things. And the common phrase that we hear is, oh, we're just having fun. Hey man, I'm just doing what makes me happy. And in the blink of an eye, there's an accident or a tragedy or a loss or a ruined marriage or a broken friendship or the beginning of an addiction. We've all seen it. Maybe some of us have experienced it to either maybe on a lesser or a greater degree, and yet we keep going back to the same thing. Proverbs says that a, a man returns to his folly like a dog does to his vomit. We just keep going back, even though it's disgusting and we hate it, but we keep going back to it because we're on this quest for happiness. Those things made me happy in the moment, so I'm going to keep going back to those things, and we allow that to override God's best for us. So many people do things that they believe is going to make them happy, but they know it's either wrong or unwise. So what does the Bible say? Well, here's what we want the Bible to say. We wanted to say this, but just as he who called you is happy, so be happy in all you do. Jeremy 3.15. That's what we want the Bible to say, right? But here's what the Bible says in 1 Peter. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. 
We're to be holy and set apart in all that we do. Yet when we believe that above everything else that God just wants me to be happy, then we end up doing things that are wrong or unwise for the sake of pursuing happiness. Think about a very unique area that we put this into practice, that we put this into play, okay? Marriage. We say, for better, for worse. That's one of the lines that we say at a wedding when we're entering into a covenant with this person that we love, this holy covenant. We say, for better or for worse. You agreed before God that it is going to be for better or for worse till death do you part. But when we are happy, we're ready to bail. We're ready to run. I've counseled married couples that are on the brink of divorce. They've been in my office and I've asked them, hey, what's going on? You know, well, you know, we've got some issues. And I'll say, okay, so has there been some infidelity? Has there been an affair? No, 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 pastor. Is there some sort of abuse, physical abuse or, or mental abuse or emotional abuse? No, no, no. Is, is there an addiction that's kind of tearing you apart? Oh, no, pastor. What is it? They just don't make me happy anymore. Wow. You're ready to abandon those vows that you made to that person and before God because they don't make you happy. Those of you who have been through this and experienced the pain of divorce, you know how much it hurts and how devastating it is. And I'm not trying to minimize that at all. This is not to make you feel guilty one bit. It's to say that those of you that are right now in the worse part of that phrase, for better or for worse, those of you who are going through the worse for better or for worse, is a part of marriage. God's highest calling is not your happiness. You work through the worse and you work toward the better. You work toward the better, you work through the worse. God, God's highest calling is not our happiness, it's for us to be holy in all that we do. Yet so many of us, when we wrongly believe that above everything else, God wants us happy, that that belief system empowers us to do what's actually wrong and then we justify it in our minds. It happens all the time. But again, God does not just want us to be happy, especially if it stems from or causes us to do something wrong or unwise. I could go through a whole list of examples. Jeremy, looking at pornography makes me happy really? Maybe for a little while? Jeremy, smoking weed or gambling or watching questionable entertainment, social media, premarital sex, overeating. Man, when I, when I just eat until I can't eat anymore, I'm so happy. Jeremy, when I work 16-hour days and I'm away from my family, I'm so happy, really? And I could just keep going and going until I get to yours <laughs> because we all have one. Well, Jeremy, I don't have one. Well, maybe denial is the one that makes you really happy. <laughs> As you think of your life right now, are there areas where you simply want what you want because it makes you feel happy or powerful or in control or some kind of bliss? Are you choosing those things in spite of God's desire for you to walk in his ways and to be holy? So number one, God desires more than just my happiness when it causes me to sin and live unwisely. Number two, God desires more than just my happiness when it's only based on worldly things. When it's only based on worldly things. We see ads online, we see ads on TV. It's crazy what we think we need to be happy, right? The right clothes, the right car, the right prescription drugs, the right medical procedure, the right mate, 
the right shampoo or hair plugs, right? <laughs> By the way, your pastor will never have hair plugs, okay? Bald is beautiful and I love it, all right? That's what we're sticking with. Here's the formula that culture tells us is true, all right? Not that the Bible tells us is true. Say it again. The Bible doesn't say that. Nope. Here's the formula that culture tells us is true. If you want to be happy, your happiness is in possessions. That's what culture says. Newer, faster, shinier, bigger, whatever, plus peaceful circumstances. The absence of all conflict plus thrilling experiences. The perfect vacation, the fun experience, the perfect job, the big thrill, plus the right relationship. If you have all of that, then you'll be happy. The problem is all of these things are based on happenings. Something has to happen. And we all know that happenings change all the time. That's why no one is really happy all the time with the things of this world because they're simply counterfeits. If you get this, if you buy this, if you trade this in, then you'll be happy, yet you're still not happy because God's desire for us is not just to be happy when it's based on worldly things. In fact, I love what John says. It's so pointed and direct. Listen to this, okay? Buckle up, all right? If you've never read this before, buckle up, all right? This is John. This is, isn't Jeremy. This is John, 1 John two fifteen. Do not love this world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, here we go, you do not have the love of the Father in you. If that doesn't challenge you, my friends, because it challenges me, you're thinking, wait, wait, John, what did you just say? If you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. Now, contextually, and let me just explain it to you. What John is saying is if you love the world and the things that it offers you more than Jesus Christ, then you're in trouble then the love of the Father is not in you because we're supposed to love our earth, right? We're supposed to take care of it. We're commanded by Jesus to take care of the orphans and widows. So there's things in the world that we're supposed to love, yes. But if you love this world more than you love God and you love the things of this world more than you love God, then the love of the Father is not in you. Look what he goes on to, to write in 16 and 17. For the world offers only a craving of physical pleasure. A craving for everything that we see. I want that, I want that, I want that, I want that. Everything that we see, we crave those things. And then pride in our achievements and our possessions. I wanted all those things and now they all belong to me. Come see what I've got. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is what? Fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. God's desire is not happiness above everything else when it's only based on the things of this world. He offers true life lived out of our true self to find satisfaction and joy in him. God desires more than just to live a happy life. Number three, God wants me to live a blessed life. God wants me to live a blessed life, not necessarily a rich and prosperous life, but a blessed life. God has something far better than our happiness. Remember, happiness is based on happenings. A blessed life is based on his goodness. It's based on his presence. In fact, the Greek word that can be translated for, as the word blessed 
can literally be translated more than happy. Isn't that great? According to God, a blessed life is far greater than a happy life because God wants you more than happy. He wants you blessed. But the problem is if I tell you that God wants you blessed, our minds automatically go to more money, perfect health, and so on. (coughs) But that's not what the blessed life is. When God wants you blessed, it doesn't mean that you won't have challenges. When God wants you blessed, it does not mean you're not going to have conflict in your life. It does not mean that you're not going to have struggles. It doesn't mean that you won't walk through dark times, that you won't go through storms, that you'll never have emotional or mental or even physical pain. It doesn't mean any of that because you're blessed. We live in a broken world. We live in a world that's disrupted by sin. What does it mean? It's that we will experience the goodness of God in the middle of our difficulties. That we'll experience the presence of God in the middle of our storm. Your happiness and your blessings are not based on a perfect pain-free life. God never promises that. Remember the words of Jesus. We read this scripture in here a lot. John 16, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials, in sorrows. It doesn't say one, many, but take heart because I have overcome the world. The problem is we're looking for this pain-free, perfect life. And if we don't have it, then we start to blame God. We blame God for the troubles and the struggles and, and all the trials that we go through when the reality is that God wants to be in the middle of those times in our life. He wants to be in the middle of your storm. Just because you're, you're blessed doesn't mean that you're not gonna have trials. It doesn't mean that you're not gonna feel weak. It doesn't mean that there's not gonna be storms in your life. But in the middle of the storm, Jesus is there. In the middle of your valley, Jesus is there. In the middle of your struggle and your conflict, Jesus is there. And I don't know about you, but to me, that is much more comforting than just being happy. He offers us something more than happiness. He offers us his peace. Philippians chapter four, the apostle Paul wrote this. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for all he has done. And then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can ever understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And listen, you may be here this morning. You might be right in the middle of a storm right in the middle of a trial. And it's something that you'd never, you didn't ask for it, but you find yourself right in the middle of it. You feel like maybe you don't even, maybe you don't, you don't even know if you have what it takes to make it till tomorrow. Jeremy, I am at my wits end with this. I don't know, I don't know how to move forward in this struggle that I'm going through. Can I encourage you? that we've all been there. None of us are immune from struggle. Can I encourage you to look for the peace and the presence of God in the middle of whatever you're going through? Remember the words of Jesus, if you seek me, you will find me. It's kind of a crazy phrase to think that I can find peace 
and I can find the presence of God in the middle of what I'm going through. Here's how the Bible says in 1 Peter 1.8, you love him even though you have never seen him. You realize no one in here has ever seen Jesus, but you're here. We're here as a faith community, as a faith family, worshiping this one hour a week that we get to get together. None of us has seen Jesus, but we believe that he exists and we believe that he is the savior of our soul and that his plans for us are good. And he says this, though you do not see him now, you trust him and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. Listen to this. Those who are growing in Christ, if you're growing in Christ, you recognize that you can actually rejoice in your sufferings and your trials because you know that they're developing perseverance in you and perseverance must finish its work so you may be mature and complete in Jesus Christ, not lacking anything. That's scripture. The Bible does say that. It's in James 1. Trust me, we've all been, we've all been through enough trials to recognize we don't, we don't want to go through them again. There's things that's happened in our life that we would say, I didn't choose that, and I pray to Jesus that I never have to go through that again. We've all been there. I don't know about you, but I am, I am who I am today because of my storms. I am who I am today because of my conflict, because of my struggles, because of those dark days in my life that I went through. Because what I discovered was that at the end of my storms, I knew him more intimately, that he was there with me the whole time. He never left me alone, that he walked with me faithfully, that I experienced the goodness of God. And I found his goodness on days that I never would have chosen. That's the blessing of God. And that is far more important than your happiness. So let's go back to the beginning. The Bible doesn't say that God just wants me to be happy. God has so much more for us. So stop trying to pursue happiness in your relationships and your possessions and your experiences. Here's the deal. If you had everything that this world had to offer, everything that this world had to offer, would you be happy? No. If you had retirement homes and you got to retire early and you had money coming at you, you still would not be happy. You know why? Because we were not created for this one life alone. We were created for the life after this one. We were created for eternity. We were created for so much more. We're here for a little while, then we're gone. We were created to glorify the God of the universe. He is not here to serve us. We are here to serve him. Therefore, we need to lower our expectations of this life on earth because no car, no house, no job, no person, no experience is going to satisfy the cravings of our heart and the cravings of our soul because we were created to know God, to experience him and to walk with him in this life and in the life to come. 
Jesus didn't come just to make us happy. He came for us to pursue him. And that's what we're going to do right now. If you have your communion elements, we're going to incorporate this into our message. Before we take this, I just want to ask for every head to be bowed, every eye to be closed. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, Jeremy, I've never even accepted Christ in my life or I accepted him a long time ago and I've been running from him for the last several years and I just need to come back, renew my relationship with him. If that's you, there's no one looking around. If that's you, you want to renew your relationship with Jesus today. Will you slip your hand up? Thank you, thank you, yep. Thank you for all these hands. Thank you. You can put your hands down. If you'll repeat this prayer after me, everyone in here, repeat this prayer after me. Say, Heavenly Father, come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. Today, Jesus, I make you my Lord and Savior. Thank you for being my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to take communion now. Go ahead and peel off that first layer. Get down to your, your wafer. Wafer symbolizes the body of Christ that was broken for our sin. The bread of life. You know, Jesus was born in Bethlehem. You know what the meaning of Bethlehem is? The house of bread. Isn't that cool? Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. Even the, even the little town that he was born in represents him. On the night that he was betrayed, on the night that they had the Last Supper, Scripture is very clear that you know, they weren't at this formal dinner, that they were actually reclined back. And it was at the, end of their, at the end of their meal, and Jesus took the bread and he began to pass it around and he said, this is my body. It's going to be, represent my body that's going to be torn for your sin. Every time that you eat of it in the future, I want you to remember what I'm doing, that my body is going to be broken for you. So let's pray for the wafer. Father, thank you, Lord, that this represents your broken body for our sin. We receive that. We receive the sacrifice. We receive the brokenness for our sin. Lord, we could not be restored, so you did it for us, and we bless you. We thank you for this. Thank you. For taking our place. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's eat. And then likewise, he took his cup and he passed it around. The juice represents the spilled blood of Jesus Christ, cover our sins, past, present, future, the ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate payment that you and I could never pay. Let's thank Jesus for his spilled blood. Jesus, thank you. Thank you, Yeshua Jesus, for what you did on the cross 2,000 years ago by allowing your blood to spill out to cover our sin. It's always, since the beginning of time, taking blood to cover our iniquities, to cover the sin of humanity. And then you did it once and for all. Thank you, Jesus. We accept what you did on the cross. We accept it as, to cover, we accept it as, as the payment to cover our sin. We bless you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's drink. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Lord, we recognize 
on this day, September the 3rd, 2023, that you are the King of all kings, you are the Lord of all lords. Lord, that you didn't come just to make us happy, just so we could be happy. You came for our relationship. You came to restore something that was broken. You came for us to pursue you. Lord, you don't exist to serve us. We exist to serve you. And Father, we love you. Thank you. Thank you for all of the goodness that you've given us, Lord. We could thank you for the rest of our life and it wouldn't be enough. Father, I pray for all those who are here this morning that are going through something. You know exactly what it is. But Father, I pray that they will find you in the middle of it, in the middle of their storm, in the middle of their trial, in the middle of their burden. They can feel your hand on their shoulder, knowing that you are right there beside them. You've never left them. You've never forsaken them. You're right there with us. We bless you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for being here this morning as we kicked off our new series. We want you to have a great week. Don't forget all the announcements. Our men's uh, life group kicks off on Saturday. Also, if you're here for the first time, go see if you can wrestle somebody with those four mugs that's left. And if not, make sure you come back next week to get one. And all the other announcements that we made, we love you guys. Uh, we want you to have a blessed week in Jesus' name. Hey, if you came prepared to give, thank you so much. You can give online or you can give through the app. If you uh, brought your physical gift, you can put that in the giving station that we have located on the door, by the doors, okay? You guys have a great week. We'll see you later.